0: How many of you are here traveling from Disney.
1: Good morning, church. Good morning. What a privilege it is to read God's word and to share with you this morning. Out of the book of James, chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith be? Save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God? Good! Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? so faith without deeds is dead
0: amen with a flashlight in hand a burglar was making his house his way through a house uh, one night when he heard a strange voice come out of the dark jesus is watching you burglar nearly jumped out of his skin when he heard <laughs> that that voice is heart's pounding and he he freezes for a moment and, and listens and with it being a with it being quiet again he proceeds to make his way through the house helping his, himself to the loot when all of a sudden there it is again Jesus is watching you frantically he starts shining his flashlight all through the house into every corner when all of a sudden he spots in one of the corners a large parrot he says did you say that <laughs> yep Squawk the bird. I'm just trying to warn you. Well, the burger's is like, well, who are you? Moses. <laughs> who on earth would name their bird Moses? The same guy that would name their Rottweiler Jesus. <laughs> Somebody is watching you and I'm not here to still fear in you that oh God is watching you kind of thing but people are watching you and faith is like calories you can't see them but you can certainly see the results of them right yeah you can't see faith but you should be able to see the results of faith at work within you faith is a show me kind of business In James chapter 1, verse 22, we highlighted what many have called the key verse to James, where it says, do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. And in that context, on that day, we saw some examples of what faith looks like. Love your neighbor as yourself, Uh, keep a tight rein on your tongue, oh my goodness, venting for listening, venting's not going to do any good, but listening to God for wisdom will do some good. Meet the needs of the, the uh, uh, less fortunate, and do not be corrupted by the world. Last week, we moved into chapter 2, and we saw one of those was favoritism. Do not show favoritism. And now we come to chapter, to chapter 2, verse 14, which actually builds on all that with two rhetorical questions. The first being this, what good is it if someone claims to have faith but has no works to back it up? And the assumed answer is, it's no good. <laughs> I know someone who owns a timeshare. They've owned that timeshare for quite a number of years, and each year they pay the maintenance fee on that timeshare of nearly $900. How many times have they used their timeshare in the time that they've had it? Absolutely zero. None. None. Yeah, in fact, I've used that timeshare more than the owner of that timeshare has because I actually used it one time on a borrowed weekend. What good is it to own a timeshare that you never use? It's absolutely no good. And I would love to have someone sending me an extra $900 a year for absolutely nothing. It's the way faith works. If someone claims to have faith but doesn't have any evidence of that faith at work in their lives, what good is it? It's like paying maintenance fees on a timeshare that you never use. And the question is, how does the faith that you profess show itself in your life in any kind of a practical way? Faith in God works. Very important. Second rhetorical question. Can such a faith, which would translate a faith of this kind or of this quality, save a man? indicating, you know, it's a poor quality of faith that produces no fruit. It's ornamental. And when I thought about this, I, I thought about flying into Tucson. I love going home to Tucson where my entire family lives, siblings and all. And when I step out of the airport there, uh, on occasion I'll get, I'll get a whiff of something like mesquite in bloom or maybe citrus in bloom, and I love it, the smell of lemons, grapefruit, Oranges, terrific, but somebody, some really smart person, came up with a new idea. Why don't we hybrid citrus f- fruit and create ornamental orange trees? Yeah, here the baby said, "What? <laughs> exactly. I mean, way to go. Thank you for the vote of support over there. Yeah, it, it's it's like uh, okay, th- these trees." look like orange trees they have fruit that looks like real fruit but if you're lying on your deathbed starving the fruit's going to do you absolutely no good what good is it? you still have to clean up the mess but it's no practical benefit whatsoever except for appearance a faith without fruit is as good as as an orange tree with artificial fruit it serves no practical benefit it's worthless so what does real faith looks like look like and i see three things here the first starting in verse 15 through 17 where i would say real faith is a verb it's an action word it says here suppose someone is without clothes and daily food. If the best you can do is say, go in peace, keep warm and fed, but do nothing to meet their physical needs, what good is it? And then it goes on, in the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. A few weeks back, back we read James one twenty-seven, where it says religion, and we understand that to be true faith, that God our Father accepts, accepts as pure and faultless, is this, to look after Orphans and widows in their distress. Orphans and widows being the poorest of the day, right? A widow, women couldn't get jobs in this culture, so if their husband husbands died, it was a uh, a sentence to poverty. Children, businesses were passed down through the family line. If you're an orphan, you don't have a family business to step into. It's a sentence toward poverty, meet their needs. But today... A different word is used here. It's the word Adelphos, Adelphos, which is ah of the same, plus Delphos, which is womb, so it's talking of the same womb. So it's talking about siblings, it's talking about good friends, it's talking about brothers and sisters in the faith. So These needs are validated. They're very real. They're substantiated. You know, they're crucial. They're urgent. And if the best we can say is go your way and be well-fed. It's like, really? (laughs) And yet we've all seen it in the church. We've seen those believers where someone comes with a legitimate need and their best response is, I'll pray for you, brother. You know, I mean, you think they might stop and pray for them right there. Who knows if they're really going to pray for them or not. Or maybe they'll say, My God will supply all of your needs, but do nothing. And then then a third one would be when they say, You know, all things work together for good to those who love God. Rejoice, brother. He's gonna build your faith. <laughs> really? But I want to f- celebrate you who are part of Summit Church. And I want to celebrate the way, the ways, various ways that you respond to needs. Some of you have need radars. You're ready to respond. Uh, Sometimes I've had uh, members of the church who will come to me, and they'll say, Pastor Mike, if you ever hear of a legitimate need, please tell me, because I'm in a position where I can respond and meet those needs. So I want to thank you, Summit Church, for the way you love people and the way that you meet needs in practical ways, and I give glory to God for you. Faith is an action word. Second thing that I noticed is that real faith, dance alone. Verse 17, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. You remember your first dance? I was thinking mine was Mansfield Junior High, maybe 1971. I don't know. Did I dance that day? No way. Spent most of my time standing in a corner scared to death of the possibility of it. <laughs> But faith doesn't dance alone. In fact, repeat these formulas after me. First formula is this. Faith plus action equals life. Can you say that? Faith plus action equals life. It's effective. It's it's vibrant. It's powerful. It's God-honoring. Here's a second one. Faith minus action equals death. Go ahead. Faith minus action equals death. It's useless, it's ineffective, it's impotent, it dishonors God. Let me give you a third one. Faith minus fruit equals artificial faith. Faith minus fruit equals artificial faith. It's phony. It serves no practical purpose. Faith always has a dance partner. The dance partner has a name, and that name is action, Make no mistake about it. A faith, it's faith alone that that justifies us. Faith alone makes us right with God. But faith that justifies can never be alone. Faith plus works was sitting in a tree. K-I-S-S-I-N-G. First came love. Then came marriage. Then came faith with a baby carriage <laughs> that's just the way it works the two are inseparable the two are always reproducing themselves together real faith has action it doesn't dance alone all right third thing that i notice: real faith is practical and not theoretical verses 18 and 19 someone says you have faith i have deeds show me your faith without deeds and I'll show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God, good. Even demons believe that and shudder. You ever think about demons having faith? I mean, that's what it says right here. looks to me, right? They believe. Demons, what do they believe? Well, they believe there's only one God. They're not atheists. They're not even universalistic in their thinking, right? But what's wrong with their faith? Their faith is stuck In their heads. It's never made it to their hands. It's never made it to their feet. It's never made it to their hearts where it produces anything. They understand it in their minds, but that's as far as it goes. And if our faith doesn't go beyond head knowledge, it holds no value whatsoever. You might as well have a timeshare that you're paying maintenance fees on and you never use. It comes at a great price. But no practical benefit. You might as well have a fruit tree that bears artificial fruit. It may look good, but that fruit's going to just drop off and dry out to be thrown in the trash. It has to be dealt with. It's worthless. Hmm. How's your faith manifesting itself in practical ways? I think in our culture, in our day-to-day, we have Uh, many, many young people who are walking away from the faith because, you know, hey, something we did on Sunday but couldn't see it carry over into the week-to-week experience. What's the difference your faith in God is making each day? Is it showing itself in practical ways? So now we come to these two polar opposite examples, okay, starting in verse 20 where it says, You foolish person. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? And then he calls forth the first witness. Notice the first witness is Abraham, referring us back to Genesis chapter 22. Abraham is a man of faith just like you and me, but his faith just like you and me is is put to the test. In fact, it's the worst kind of test that's imaginable. We can't even begin to fathom it where God says, I want you to sacrifice your son, your only son, Isaac. And Abraham's quick to respond. He trusts God, right? And just as Abraham's raising his hand to take his son's life, the Lord says, that's as far as you need to go, Abraham. You have passed the test. Now, was it Abraham's action that secured him a place in the eternal kingdom? No, it wasn't that, right? His action merely proved that that he already had a place in God's eternal kingdom. As verse 22 says, his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete. We could actually say validated there by what he does, by what he did, because real faith produces works. Works perfect our faith, show them complete, and there relies the relationship between faith and works. Abraham wasn't saved by faith plus works. Abraham was saved by a faith that works. Back to verse 20. Witness number two, you foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? And so here comes Rahab. God had used Moses to lead the children of Israel out of their bondage in Egypt. Now he's going to use Joshua to take them into the promised land. The first city there to conquer is is a city called Jericho. Evidently, there's a woman in that city who's repented and realized that she needed to get right with God. She's a prostitute, and uh, by faith, she risked her own life in order to help the spies that Joshua had sent in, and that's what she's remembered for. Her faith and her actions were working together, and her faith was made complete by what she did. It wasn't her actions that secured her a place in the eternal kingdom. No, it was her actions that validated the faith that was already working in her life. Rahab wasn't saved by faith plus works. Rahab was saved by a faith that does work. So here we have Abraham and we have Rahab, two polar opposites. Abraham, upright, founding father. Rahab, worse than a nobody on the total opposite end of the social scale. Abraham, the father of the Hebrew people, the people of God. Rahab, a non-Jew, a Gentile, a prostitute. Huh? Abraham, a man who held a position of power and respect. Rahab, a woman of ill real repute. Abraham, an earnest man who wanted to keep God's law and therefore was positioned for God's blessing. Rahab, a woman who disobeyed God's law and therefore a potential recipient of God's cursing. Two polar opposites. Can you see this? Can you see what's going on? Yet both of them are considered righteous on the same basis. They both held a faith that was shown, played out in practical ways. (laughs) So this has to point us to Hebrews chapter 11, which is sometimes called the Faith Hall of Fame, the Great Faith Hall of Fame. And both Abraham and Rahab were voted in. (laughs) The plaque beneath Abraham's bust or the facial sculpture is, is very, very long. Let me summarize it for you. By faith, Abraham moved to a land he knew nothing about, a land that would later become the promised land of God. By faith, he and his wife had a son, even though they were well beyond childbearing years. By faith, Abraham offered his son Isaac as a sacrifice, believing the promise, holding on to the promise that God would someday use him in a mighty way, even if it meant God would have to raise him from the dead. (laughs) Rahab's plaque, really short, by faith, the prostitute, Rahab welcomed the spies and therefore was not killed with those who were disobedient you know you read that and you say well why didn't god remove the word prostitute from from her recognition i mean everywhere she's listed rahab the prostitute well he left it there on purpose he left it for us to see it i don't think it means she went on living an immoral life but What we need to understand is that God's love and God's salvation is to anyone who will believe, and God doesn't want us to forget about it. In fact, she became one of the very first soul winners in the entire Bible, saving all of those who are immediately in her sphere of influence because she called out on their behalf. Rahab, a picture of real faith, a faith that changes how we go forward, a faith that produces Action and proves the reality of God in our lives. Two extreme examples here. Rahab on one side, Abraham on the other side. Now think about where you are. Where are you in your faith? If you are up for consideration for the great faith hall of fame, What would be the basis? What would it be that would be written on the plaque about you? The Bible says this Examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail. Was there ever a time in your life when you honestly came to a place where you realized you're a sinner in need of a Savior and you're able to admit that both to yourself and God? Was there ever a time in your life when you recognized that you were going your own independent way and somehow it just wasn't working out for you and you somehow... The idea of God's plan for your life came alive and you said, right here, I'm turning around. The way I'm going is not doing anybody any good. In fact, it's only messing it up. Today, I want to turn around and I want to do life the way God intended it to be lived. Has there been any observable change in your life? Does it affect the way you do life? Do you see yourself as a worker in God's harvest? Are you showing the same kind of love that God has shown you to others along the way? Just think about those things for a moment. In fact, why don't you just bow your heads there before God and create an altar right around where you are. Think what would be said about how your faith is showing it. See that there's some work to be done. Just agree with God about that. Practice spiritual breathing. Just exhale, confess, agree with God about what he already knows. Then inhale. Receive the fullness of Jesus Christ into your life, which is about appropriating the of the Holy Spirit as the leader of your life. Yeah, confess, exhale. Receive, inhale. And then thank God for taking his rightful place on the throne of your life. the praise team to come at this time i'm going to invite our prayer partners to be available if today you want to surrender your life to christ by faith if you want him to make you into his image please talk to somebody about that and these guys and gals are available as well to pray with you and to hear you if you have other needs be sure you come and, and let them pray with you they'll be available